Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love Y'all are welcome. Well, uh, welcome to you all, especially those who just jumped on uh, and joined us. Uh, we welcome you. Uh, and let's introduce ourselves again. I'm Pastor Nathan, pastor here at Elk River Lutheran. I'm Lisa Sampson, director of Children, Youth, and Family Ministry. Jeremy Holquist, intern pastor. And I'm Taylor Quinn, the director of Music Ministry and Worship. And we are so glad to have you all here uh, this morning as we uh, celebrate RIC Sunday. A couple of things we wanted to point out here and call your attention to at the beginning of the service is we, uh, all RIC churches from around the country do an RIC worship service Sunday and an order of service is put together for that. And so many of the parts of the liturgy and the prayer of the day, which you'll hear in a moment and we'll pray together, uh, comes from that service. And so one thing I want to point out about that is that service uses a lot more gender-inclusive language, and so you'll hear uh, God referred to in different ways that are maybe um, not the typical or familiar way necessarily, and yet uh, it's important. The idea is to be inclusive, so you'll hear different pronouns for God, and uh, and that will be a part of our uh, a part of our service this morning to recognize that. Sorry, I've seen people saying that they can't hear, but I don't. We are good. I think yeah, we should. I think that's on, on their side. So, um, okay, uh, the other thing I wanted to just uh, do, which I think is kind of a helpful reminder, is you'll hear us throughout the service, and you've already heard it, uh, talk about this, this acronym, LGBTQIA. And so I'm going to throw a slide up here and actually just walk through what does that mean? Because I think it is an important kind of ongoing learning and a reminder for some and just to get everyone on the same page. Uh, we use this term LGBTQIA+. Uh, and uh, I'll walk through just each one. The L is a lesbian, so that is uh, a woman who is sexually attracted to other women. Uh, G, gay, uh, that's a man who is sexually attracted to other men. B, we're talking about bisexual or bi, uh, which is a person who's uh, sexually attracted to people of, uh, of other genders, of, of either gender or uh, any gender. And then we get into transgender, and uh, this is where we start to realize the, the first uh, few refer specifically to uh, sexuality, and then we get into uh, gender as well. And transgender is someone whose primary, uh, the, the way that they are perceived, the gender that you might, uh, that they're either assigned at birth or that you uh, assign them and looking at them doesn't line up with their, uh, their own perceived gender. Next then, uh, Q is sometimes labeled as questioning, uh, or more commonly queer, which we use queer as a, uh, as a just a general term uh, for the LGBTQIA plus community, kind of an all-inclusive uh, term. Next then is I, intersex. Uh, that is someone who is uh, 
you know, essentially kind of reproductive organs at birth uh, don't really fit clearly and neatly into uh, either male or female categories. And then finally, asexual or ace, this is someone who is uh, uh, not sexually attracted to people of any gender. And so uh, that is what the A is. And then finally, we put a plus at the end as an indication that um, uh, indication that there is, uh, that this is a bigger and more complex kind of world that we're living in. That whenever we try to really clearly and neatly define uh, gender and sexuality, there's a chance that we're leaving people out. And so we put that plus on there as an additional uh, way of including uh, all people, which is the goal. And it's our goal here is to be as inclusive as possible. And so what I want to say is if you feel like you uh, have a hard time keeping up with these terms or understanding them fully, uh, that's okay. <laughs> our goal mm -hmm. is to be committed to continuing to learn and grow. You'll notice even me uh, each year kind of talking through it. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's unfamiliar to me in a way, in a personal way. And so I kind of stumble through it a little bit. And that's okay. I think our commitment is to continue to learn and grow. And so if this is something that's really new to you or you aren't as familiar as you would maybe like to be, I want to encourage you to uh, do some research online. Uh, Reconciling Works, the organization that works with uh, primarily Lutheran churches, has some great resources on their website. And uh, you can find a lot of guides online to help kind of answer these questions and uh, learn a little more about uh, what is it like to be uh, someone who is in one of these uh, categories of LGBTQIA+. And so uh, thank you for being a part of this church and being committed to this work of learning and growing together. Uh, it's not always easy, but it's important for us to be truly welcoming all. We sing all are welcome and we want to mm -hmm. live it out too. So uh, thank you for uh, kind of walking with me through that a little bit. And we're going to continue into our service now with the, our prayer of the day. And so I'm going to put up uh, the words of this prayer of the day. It's a little bit of a longer one. And so yet we invite you to uh, join together in praying this prayer. Let us pray. God of boundless love, you require each of us to love justice. May we follow Christ's example to see, name, and care for all whom we encounter. May your love and grace fill our words and actions, turning us from the sins of homophobia, transphobia, and racism to live for you and serve our neighbor. Soften our hearts and expand our awareness today to share in the spirit of the kingdom of God, making the church a place where community is built to experience your grace. In your name we pray, amen. Well, we're going to continue now with our scripture reading, and so uh, we'll hear that now from Matthew. Matthew is the gospel writer. Yes. yes. Yeah, okay. Annika is the reader. <laughs> Hi, Elk River Lutheran. Uh, Tyler, sit here. It's so great to be joining you all again from the... That is our sermon <laughs> that we'll hear in a moment. Here is our reader. Hi, guys. I'm Petty Officer Hine, and I will be doing your reading for today. So today's reading comes from the fifth chapter of Matthew, beginning with the 43rd verse. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be the children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, 
and sends the rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here ends the reading. Well, as I said, we have a guest preacher, and you already saw him really quickly when I hit the wrong video. Um, but our guest preacher for this morning is Pastor Tyler Sitt from New City Church in Minneapolis. And I'll just read a word of bio here. Uh, Reverend Tyler Sitt is the pastor and church planter of New City Church, a multi-ethnic community in South Minneapolis. He is the author of Staying Awake, The Gospel for Changemakers, a primer on Christianity featuring queer people of color. New City has been featured in the New York Times, The Atlantic, Minnesota Public Radio, and more. When he's not working, Tyler likes to dig into his Chinese heritage and go for hikes with his boyfriend. You can find him at Tyler Sit online and social media. And uh, Tyler was actually here in person at Elk River Lutheran a few years ago and preached as a part of our series when uh, Gia Star Brown, Pastor Gia, was here uh, uh, a couple of years back and he was with us then. So this is a return to Elk River Lutheran, but uh, new to our online format. And so uh, we're going to hear from Pastor Tyler now a little bit, uh, a message of God's grace and love. And maybe I, I, I'll share this as... Not really a warning, but to let you know, he talks fast <laughs> and he's he's pretty funny. Uh, anything else we, people should know about yeah. him as he gets into this? Um, uh, and yet he's really tackling some pretty big and, and even heavy issues, but uh, he does so uh, with some uh, real, uh, real humor and levity too. And so uh, here's Pastor Tyler, and uh, I invite you to listen and uh, be blessed by his words. Hi, Elk River Lutheran. Uh, Tyler Sit here. It's so great to be joining you all again from the New City Studio. It's in my apartment. So <laughs> I was uh, very pleased to receive the invitation to be preaching with you all. And I just pray that in this weird time of COVID, uh, insurrection, inauguration, all the stuff that's going on that that this worship service might be a time of real transformation, that somehow through this message and, and through all of this worship service, God might surprise you a little bit, that there might be kind of like an aha that invites you to just one step. And I guess that's what I would invite you to be listening for in this sermon. Like, what is that just one step small step to take uh, out of this worship service? What is the one invitation that God has out of this worship service? Because isn't it easy to be a churchy person and hard to be a Christian? <laughs> isn't it easy to just like show up, hear some things and be like, great. And then, <laughs> and then go off and get some quiche, you know? And it's, it's harder to follow Jesus. It requires, it requires a certain amount of discomfort and sacrifice to follow uh, the way of this person who is showing us liberative love. And yet the promise of Jesus and what we see through the resurrection is that it is so, so worth it. And in fact, if any of us are ever going to be free, then our work, our spiritual work must require this type of dedication. Um, and so perhaps one of the most difficult, uh, uh, what does the Bible called texts? <laughs> one of the most difficult scriptures about this 
is the scripture that we're hearing from Matthew 5 of loving your enemies, praying for your enemies. Um, like, think about the, the person that you are least wanting to have uh, in your mind and heart to be holding hands with, to be sharing in a uh, conversation within a room. And God's like, the spiritual work is for you to look that person in the eye and to pray for them. It reminds me, uh, back in 2012, I went to the General Conference of the United Methodist Church. I know you all aren't United Methodists. So uh, every four years, the United Methodist Church, which is a global denomination, has a gathering. Like thousands and thousands of people stream from all of the continents in the world to talk about United Methodist things. And of course, since about 1978, the biggest thing that's been talked about at General Conference has been on homosexuality uh, because the United Methodist Church uh, put a, a ban on self-avowed practicing Christians uh, from being clergy or being married or whatever. And yet we kept slipping in. No, <laughs> but um, that's been the topic of General Conference. So of course, as a gay man, I uh, needed to go to General Conference to witness like how is it that the, the people of God can do something that's so harmful as to pass uh, this hurtful and truly deadly uh, theological position to ban gay people and queer people? So there I was um, in this legislative session, and um, it was really striking to me because there were people who were, we were in a subcommittee, so it was like a room of 25 people, um, and then people observing like me. And there was definitely people who picked that subcommittee to be like the inclusion, social justice, like we have to, we have to change this. But if that was coming from one side, the other side chose to organize just as strong. And so that subcommittee meeting also had the people who were the staunchest, most anti-gay people <laughs> uh, in that whole conference. And they were all together in this room. And I was like, isn't this fascinating. If we weren't talking about my humanity, I would kind of think it's entertaining because of like how much tension there is in the room. And as the conversations progress, I just realized that the very people who were speaking against my humanity, the people who were uh, vehemently, passionately, insidiously opposed to recognizing my call from God to be a pastor, um, many of them are probably closeted gay people. I realized that in this room, as I'm looking at this, and um, not just based off of stereotypes like talking or having a super high voice or, <laughs> you know, dressing fashionably, but like, like there was one guy who was like making eyes at me and I was like with my notebook like, You know, like, like we're not gonna, we're not gonna do this. But it was like, the, the my enemies are queer people who have come to decide a very different course of life than I have, and now they're working toward my oppression. And my dedication is for the liberation of all queer people, queer, you know, LGBTQ uh, people. Some people 
are uncomfortable with queer, but I think it's helpful. Uh, my dedication is the liberation of all queer people, and here I am facing my enemy, and my enemy is a queer person. And so I feel like this like Matthew 5 tension is God is like, the, what God is inviting us to is not to stop opposing oppression and evil in the world, which there definitely is, but rather to like see this as like the, the very people whom we are striving against are the people who are God's beloved. And both of those are true at the same time. Like I couldn't just let the person who was legislating against me slide and give them a pass because their decisions impacted my life and the ministry of the people that I am close to. However, like I couldn't just kind of do this like caricature, stereotype, dismissive dehumanization of this person because this person was in the very group of people that I have been committed to work towards the liberation for. Do you see what I'm saying? And so I think that God is calling us to, to face even the people that we are most opposed to. For me, it's like probably the people who stormed the insur uh, the, during the insurrection, the Capitol, um, probably the white supremacists who showed up to uh, Minneapolis and, and broke down uh, businesses of color on Lake Street. Like, yeah, I would consider those folks to be my enemies, but I'm being challenged to create this posture of love even for those folks. Speaking of George Floyd, and I'll, this will be my last point because I've been told to keep it brief. Um, speaking of George Floyd, I just want to name that um, in the mainline church, in the Lutheran church, in the Methodist church, in the Presbyterians, in the Episcopalians, in the meeting that I was in immediately before recording this sermon, and maybe that's why I'm bringing it up, <laughs> there's this idea that somehow like LGBTQ justice and other types of justice are um, only tangentially or kind of like unrelated to each other. They can be pulled apart. So we can deal with the LGBTQ justice, check. Okay, now we're gonna deal with immigrant justice. Now we're gonna deal with uh, ability justice. Now we're gonna deal with racism. And uh, as a gay Asian person, <laughs> I find that um, to be so bizarre and completely inaccurate. Like, I wake up in the morning and I don't get to choose whether I'm gay today or I'm Asian today. Like, I'm both gay and Asian. And, like, our justice movements have to likewise be for whole people and not just part of a person. Like, let's use an extreme kind of funny example. If a person came to New City Church and was like, Please help me. I'm being chased by a werewolf who wants to kill me because I'm gay. New City Church people would, of course, be like, oh my gosh, of course, of course, like, help, we'll protect you. Like, homophobic werewolves are the worst. <laughs> and if that same person were to come and be like, hey, I'm gay. A werewolf was ch chasing me because I'm black. We wouldn't be like, no. We're not going to worry about this because if that werewolf were homophobic, that would be our issue. But since it's a racist werewolf, you're just on your own, kid. <laughs> like, you know, like we have to care about all the werewolves. Like if a queer person is being persecuted for any reason, that is an issue for the LGBTQ movement. Like if we say that we affirm queer people, but we're not taking on 
uh, racism, for example, then we're actually only caring about white queer people. And I don't think that when Jesus said to pray for everyone, that God sends the sun and the rain on the righteous and unrighteous alike, that God would have made such subdivisions, that God would be like, I'm only going to send sun on the white gay people, but not the rest of them, right? Like, God has such a more collective, intersectional, layered imagination of how God is going about saving us. And I think that we as a church and, and as people of God, the movement of God, need to likewise lean into all of these different types of justice, all of these complexities, knowing that we're going to encounter the Holy Spirit every step of the way and that we're going to find fuel for the journey no matter what we find. And so, uh, beloved, may you pray boldly for those enemies and accept and love all of who you are and all of who our beloved com global community is. Amen. Well, amen. Thank you, Pastor Tyler, uh, for your words. And I I, I feel uh, a little fortunate because this is now the third time I've listened to yes. it. And I really have gotten more out of it each time. It's, uh -huh. There's so much there. Uh, and it's so good. So uh, thank you, uh, Pastor Tyler. And uh, we'll, we'll share that again. Or if you want to go back and listen to it, you know, I encourage you to do that because there's a lot in there, uh, a lot of uh, good humor, uh, but also some heavy stuff. And, and so, yeah, that's good. How yeah. about those werewolves? I, yeah, I'm a little worried about those werewolves. That was heavy. Yeah. <laughs> It's such a funny, <laughs> playful way of highlighting just a real reality that sometimes yeah. churches get caught up on. Well, we this is our area of focus. This is what we care about. Or, you know, right now we need to be focusing on this. We'll maybe get to this issue later. And the reality is, yeah, yeah Jesus calls for the liberation of all people mm -hmm. and for, you know, all to feel loved and accepted and safe where they are. Justice is justice. Mm -hmm. It's not just for a specific people group, you know. Yeah, we celebrate RIC Sunday, Reconciling in Christ Sunday, every you know once a year, but it doesn't just it just doesn't stop at queer folk. Yeah. You know, there there is an intersection of racial justice with it, ability justice. I, you yeah. know, he even brought that up. I mean, all kinds of God is a God of justice, yeah. not specific to a you know a, a type of person. So that was a, a really good reminder that. And and you have you have to kind of ask yourself, am I that? Yeah. And if you are, then you just got to do some changing, you know. And that's okay. We're all in this together. Well, it's a process, right? It is a very yeah. much a process. Yeah, it's about leaning into how do I receive or perceive myself? You know, how mm -hmm. am I kind of aware of my the space I occupy in this conversation too? Um, we're doing the anti-racist work uh, right now with this candy book every other Sunday. Um, shameful plug but I think there's something to this work that it begins here internally and in doing so I can learn to lean into the voice of what am I called to do so pray for your enemies is as much about me as it is about my enemy oh, absolutely yeah. right oh my god because of course that's the thing you can control right I mean right. that's the part you have have a say over is how you feel and how you act <laughs> you know mm -hmm. um, right. and you know and yet it's pretty easy to fall into judgment and finger pointing and and you know I, I I really like the point that he makes about the importance of of holding people to account and you know striving for justice you know and yet also remembering that 
God wants justice and grace and peace for those oppressors as well. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That, 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 that that's the praying for your enemies. It's not just, you know, saying, okay, well, you know, you're treating people terribly, but that's okay because you're great. You're great. You're God's love child. That's fine then. Well, no, that, that behavior is not fine. Like that's not okay, right. you know, um, that God's created us all for more. Right. This is that brings up this term, the kingdom of God that we've been yeah. using. Maybe that requires a little bit of unpacking, and you have a great explanation. So I'm going to come <laughs> yeah, back I wrote out some notes because this phrase comes up a couple of times in the service, the kingdom of God, K-I-N uh, dash uh, D-O-M, instead of kingdom. Because if you uh, follow, you know, if you've read the Bible and the Gospels, you know Jesus talks about the kingdom of God all the time. It's actually it's kind of the number one teaching. He talks about it more than anything else. Um, and yet... What he's talking about is not the kind of earthly kingdoms that we often think of, like where you have a king who's all powerful and, you know, his primary objective is to maintain power, even in that almost always includes oppressing certain people, keeping the poor poor, you know, so that keep the rich rich, you know, that kind of stuff. Like that's kingdom stuff. And, you know, and then comes Jesus who shares this teaching of liberation and lifting up all people and you know equality and 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 so that's the kingdom of God that he preaches and tells all these parables and stories about how we're supposed to be working for this kingdom of God well fast forward followers of Jesus live out kingdom in some examples, pretty earthly like, right? Like you have Christian kingdoms, Christian kings who are doing those things of oppression and all that, including, you know, some really big and horrible examples of Christian nations, you know, participating in race-based slavery and, you know, all kinds of oppression. And, and, you know, it fits into the LGBTQ uh, oppression as well. And so, you know, I think that term kingdom is a way of acknowledging and, and kind of reclaiming this teaching of Jesus that that doesn't carry the baggage of our earthly kingdomness. And and so I think there have been some in uh, liberation groups and circles and uh, folks who have, have felt or are feel oppressed that are much more comfortable with that phrase kingdom versus kingdom because kingdoms oppress not the kingdom of god that's not what jesus had in mind was oppression but the reality is so much of the kingdoms that we know is oppression and so yeah so i think that's a it is a helpful way of kind of reframing that notion of you know you know kingdom i i don't have all that much trouble with the phrase kingdom and so much of that has to do with my own privilege and the fact that like you know i i haven't been on that receiving end of oppression much in my life i'm pretty pretty fortunate in that way but often people in those days would refer to what is commonly understood like Mm -hmm. people people in the biblical times understood the concept of kingdom yeah you know then he and by telling a story when he talks about kingdom they understood um it's i like that it's being switched because it it the idea of kingdom opens our understanding of who god is who god is is yeah. <laughs> not who we understand them to be. And it's very you much know? his family. It, it's yeah. very like family. It's family of God. Yes, and I think we we're starting to realize. At least I am, and and I feel like in our society we're starting to realize the power of family, mm-hmm. and the power of kin, um, that can really make a difference rather than oppression or or power over others. Yeah, you know. 
Because like a family doesn't mean that you all agree on everything, right? Mm. But your family, like it or not, right. like you yep. know, you you're, you're together, your family, and and I think that's you know a part of what Jesus was was preaching was this this togetherness and, and a sense of unity that's rooted, that's deeper than the differences, mm-hmm. and it's for all people. Yeah, you know, not just those in that kingdom and yep. who they're governing. Mm-hmm. All people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that language of welcome that becomes so vital to this RIC declaration really is about broadening the understanding continually and Mm -hmm. continually opening up how do we think about uh, both race and justice, about sexual identity and orientation. How do we begin to say who we are is so much broader than we've made it for decades, Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of this is learning that God's understanding of who we're created to be is not limited by what we think. Right. Um, yeah. And so it's uncomfortable to think that my enemy, people who are, are different gendered than yeah. me, are as welcomed and loved by God as I am. And I think that becomes our sort of shifting of self yeah. um, as we understand God more. It can be uncomfortable putting God in, a, in our own box yep. because then we limit who God is, and so when we open that box, it's a little scary. Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because then we have to respond. Mm-hmm. And it's scary to think about praying for your enemies and humanizing them. Yeah. yeah. And that's you know just going along with what you were talking about. It is our enemies too that we have to reshape our thinking. Mm-hmm. Are they really our enemies? Right. You know, they are still beloved. They are still humans, and I. I often think uh, I've I've learned this this idea that when you're angry, you're probably not just angry; it's more about fear, mm-hmm. you know. And when someone's angry with you, they become your enemy. But when you realize that their anger isn't about that, it's about fear. What are they afraid of? And I think that helps us to pray for our enemies and to converse with them even and have relationship with them. Right. Yeah, you know, because I think so often we can perceive someone as much worse than they probably are in reality, right? I mean, like if we if we asked you all to type in the comments, like, who who's an enemy? Who's someone that you really don't like? We're not asking you to do that. <laughs> do that. <laughs> that would not be great. Um, but you can probably think of some people, and maybe those are deep-seated, uh, you know, animosities or maybe it's like you know the person you ran into at the grocery store yesterday who wasn't wearing a mask and was all up in your business mm-hmm. right or you know they we see these people and we kind of you know we jump to us uh, to to our own assumptions and and that isn't always the most helpful thing i think um there's this teacher byron katie who has this process called the work where she encourages people to do some self-reflection by asking a lot of the questions and one of the questions that has always helped me the most is 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 this true you know so if i um and all of a sudden i'm mad at taylor because i asked him to do something by a certain date and he he didn't and so now i'm, I'm mad because he doesn't respect me as, as a pastor he doesn't respect the the work that i do and and i, I start creating all i tell myself this story in my head of of all these things and why ter- taylor's so terrible and um and then uh i have to pause to ask myself is that true? Do mm-hmm. I know that that is true? Well, of course, I don't know that. I don't know what Taylor's thinking. I didn't. I haven't asked him yet. I just jumped to my own conclusions, and 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 I think there's real help in doing that to pause and ask ourselves: Is the story that I'm telling myself in my head is that true? 
Mm -hmm. uh, can I know that it's true? Um, this is actually an example of me not doing something that Taylor asked uh, because I just <laughs> overlooked the email. Um, and so, uh, you know, but these things happen all the time in our lives, they right? Do. Yep. We, we are all horribly capable of jumping to conclusions and making people enemies. And, and sometimes, or all times, that work needs to start with us. Yeah. Like, maybe Taylor does really not respect me. It doesn't, you know, and so then we got other work to do. But so often it's the things we, these stories we tell ourselves in our head yeah. that aren't, aren't grounded firmly in reality. Mm -hmm. At least not the whole reality. Right. You know, there can be mm -hmm. kernels of truth that we sometimes blow up to be much bigger. Mm -hmm. To fit our own agenda. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I never do that. No? <laughs> well, good for you. All the time. Yeah. You're such a saint. All the time, yeah. <laughs> Tarnished halo. And so I think this, this work that we're talking about here today as a congregation, this, this reconciling in Christ congregation, if we're going to be reconciling in Christ, it, it, it isn't to say, okay, well, now we are a church that we are always on the right side of history, right? Like we've got it all figured out. We got this little uh, logo that we can put on our stuff because we are, you know, no uh, LGBTQ person's ever going to feel unwelcome here. Well, that's not always the case, right? I mean, like it, it's an ongoing process of us learning and trying to better ourselves so that we can make others feel welcome. And it's not just you know, the LGBTQIA plus folks that we want to feel welcomed and loved here, right? It's, it's, a, it's a bigger mission and it's an ongoing process mm -hmm. of our own learning as individuals and as a church to continue to learn and grow and be the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God that Jesus calls us to be. Amen. 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 I Amen. mean, that's, that's, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm preaching a little bit. This is Tyler's job today, not mine. But, um, but it's a, it's a, it's a message for all of us and it's a challenge for all of mm -hmm. us. And so I appreciate his words inviting us into that, that challenge. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.